0: welcome to a new edition of the neon jazz interview series with veteran bay area trumpeter bill ortiz we caught up with him about his new 2022 release points of view. For over four decades, he has been one of the Bay Area's most valuable multi-genre artists. Notably, he toured with Santana for 16 years since the Grammy-winning Smooth album. His blend of authentic jazz and Latin has led to high-profile gigs with the likes of Herbie Hancock, Wayne Shorter, Chick Corea, Tito Puente, and others in the rock and R&B realms. He's got a great story. Enjoy.
1: Bill, thanks for taking a minute out today, man. I appreciate it.
0: Well, thank you for your interest in my uh,
2: records and I'm happy to do this. Yeah, thank you.
1: you know, th- yeah, my pleasure, man. So, before we get to points of view, your brand new album, I want to know. We've gone through quite a time on planet Earth for the last couple of years with COVID, and I'm sure. Curious, how did you survive artistically and otherwise?
2: Well, it was it was a challenge getting this done during COVID. Um, I tried to do as much of it live as possible, especially being a jazz record, and. Uh, you know, we we somehow got it done. You know, it was quite a year of just being in lockdown for so long.
1: So what was the driving force behind this album and getting it out? What what was ultimately the force behind it?
2: Well, my last album I did as a solo artist was uh, 10 years ago. And it was when I was still working with uh, Carlos Santana. So I stopped working with him in 2016, and so it took me a little time just to kind of settle and uh, kind of crystallize what I wanted to do next. And so, uh, you know, with COVID and everything, this is about the soonest we can get this done. And so I, I just wanted to do another album. I thought that really represented what I was about as an artist. Um,
1: so let's go to your roots. Uh, talk to me a little bit about... How this journey into music began for
2: you? Uh, I started playing at ten i I started playing uh professionally at sixteen um you know just playing bars and stuff um so my my first gigs were r were r and d gigs and then I started studying jazz pretty quickly um and that became kind of like the basis of everything that i uh, that i do um i mean I view music like R and soul and hip-hop and latin and everything it's all to me kind of like just different branches on a larger tree and there's a lot of uh cross pollinization between all of it um and you know obviously one of the big common denominators is blues so i i feel whenever i'm playing different genres i feel like i'm still kind of tapping into the main source so uh, how deep do you want me to go here um I, mean,
1: um, I think that nails that. I think what I'd like to do, too, is kind of know some of your early influences, especially for the purposes of jazz. Who were some cats that you were listening to that really kind of swayed the way that you were going to find your voice in the music?
2: Well, before I even was playing trumpet, my parents had Louis Armstrong records around, and I think that's probably what got me interested in playing the trumpet. And then once once I started learning and developing my first... I would say my main influences on 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 trumpet would be like Miles Davis, Lee Morgan, um, Physic Lesby, Freddie Hubbard, you know Kenny Dorham, Clifford Brown. You know all the the greats who created the the language that we play today. Uh, you know I listen to a lot of the newer guys too. I feel like they're extensions of the people I mentioned. Those are the people that created the, the, the genre. You know, aside of that, you know, I was always influenced by Herbie Hancock, a pretty wide array of artists. I also used to, um, I was influenced by Lester Bowie of the, you know, Chicago Art Ensemble, um, Donald Bird. Uh And then uh, as I was growing up, also music such as like Flying Family Stone and Donny Hathaway and, and Stevie Wonder. And uh, you know Ray Charles, those people also provided like a pretty, um, a pretty strong element of my voice as well.
1: So what was the first live show that you saw that really blew you away, that made you think, that's what I want to do?
2: I was fortunate living in San Francisco that when I was coming up, clubs like the Keystone Corner in San Francisco, which at the time was kind of like Uh, one of the main jazz clubs on the West Coast. So I remember seeing Freddie Hubbard there and just being totally blown away. I mean, the the level that he was playing on, both artistically and on on the horn, was just so formidable um, and just inspirational.
1: (laughs) So you toured with Santana for quite some time, but I'm curious, Mm -hmm. and and you've been around a lot of big names and legends and luminaries that... Um, that, that exists out there in the world. But I'm curious, when did all of this begin? What phone call did you get from, from, from that musician that made you think, wow, I'm, I'm on my way here. This is starting the gain steam.
2: The way, you know, as you, I'm sure you know, the way it works in the music business, it's a, it's a, it's a network thing. And so, how I got that gig was just an extension of other people I've, I've played with in the past. I would say playing with people like Tito Escovito um, through that, I was able to play with Tito Puente and and Sheila E and people like that. And then I also played with Peter Offalbaum in the Hieroglyphics, and we did some playing with backing up Don Cherry, which was just amazing. He's always been an influence of mine. And you get to play with somebody oh, – of, on that level at a young age and just kind of not only see the way that they play but also just when you talk to people like that and you see how they approach things it's it's a it's like going to school you know and as far as how i got hooked up with carlos him living in the bay area he had seen me play a number of times with other groups and i met him and then it was time for him to add horn section it was not only my connection with him through meeting him, but also people that were in the, his working band at the time were people that I had worked with over time. And so they also recommended me. So that's kind of how I got hooked up with that.
1: Over that long time, that you said you, it took you a little time to get your bearings and get your voice. But what was it about that time with him that made you grow so much as a musician?
2: First of all, him and I have a lot of really similar Musical influences and and a lot of the things that are important to me are things that are really important to him. Carlos is someone who's a, you know has really strong roots in blues music. One thing that was kind of cool about him here he was at this point in his career where he you know was already in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, many many tens of millions of copies of records, and he's still was that young musician who loved to sit on his amp and jam along to Miles Davis records and Wayne Shorter. And he was always practicing, and trying to grow and develop as a player. And so that was very inspirational to see that, but also it was very important to him to have his group always play with a sense of spontaneity and freshness and not phoning it in and just, okay, we're playing this song. We played it all year. We're just gonna play it almost automatically. It, it was really a, a, a strong emphasis on keeping it new and, and finding new emotions to just put into the song. Um, also, when you when you're playing in a local club, that that's a very important part of our musical development. But when you're playing like on the large stage on tour and you're playing in front of 20,000 people, 50,000 people or or more, it's a different animal. And I watched him night in, night out, just put the band on his back and just carry it, but just playing on every single song. And when you're, when you're playing a solo on a stage like that, I, I just feel you have to approach it differently because you're playing to, um, it's a different expression, uh, First of all, the music we were playing—it was a mixture of it wasn't—it wasn't like a jazz band, although there were jazz elements involved, like a lot of improvisation and playing off of each other. You have to tell a story. You have to get in. You have to get out. And you—it's really about one thing that I learned about him that was really important is learning how to play to him to express and not to impress. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, Wayne Torter has this great. Uh, I Saw him in an interview, and he had this great statement about the, the importance of musicians not getting in their own way, and how it, it's important to just approach approach the process of improvisation as more of a, a, this pure creativity and just playing something that is a is a statement as a as a point as opposed to playing every solo. Where you feel like you have to validate everything that you know and impress all the musicians it it was very inspirational watching him play solos and just have the the people look at him like they were just totally enraptured by every note he was playing and they were really feeling that the emotion of what he was playing that connection it was was to me the ultimate
1: what is it that you like the best about being a musician a professional musician i mean you get a Pretty much, wake up every day and do exactly what you want to do. You're kind of in control of your creative destiny. What do you enjoy the most about it? I like
2: the possibility of getting up and creating something new. Getting into that place when you're improvising, where it's like you just you get a spark when when the inspiration is there and you're still, and you're playing. And when when you're playing with people and there's a there's a musical connection where everybody's on the same page and the music becomes like an organic living breathing entity. I I don't know that seems kind of like hippy dippy but <laughs> there's a there's a magic that happens in that moment and it's uh it's just a great feeling. You know when we play it's it's at best it's an expression of our of our heart and what our feelings are and so um to be able to do that every day and get up and try to just express yourself through your music, is is uh, not only a wonderful feeling, but at a certain point, it's, it becomes like you're driven to do it. Everyone has
1: a perception of you, your family, your friends, your fans, but ultimately, you're the one living your life. Who do you think you are?
2: Huh. Well, I think it's the most important just to be a, a good, caring human being. If you do that, hopefully everything else falls in place. But people say that and I agree with the statement that music is not just what we do, it's who we are. I also feel it's important, above all that, to just try to grow as a human being and be better every day. We practice our horns every day to try to get better or practice our instruments every day to get better. I feel it's really important that we continue to grow as human beings and become better people every day. You know, it takes effort, but it's, I think it's the most important thing.
1: Perfect, Bill. Hey, man, thank you for opening up today about the new album. Good luck with it and the return to the stage. I appreciate it.
0: Sure, man. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview where we give you a bit of insight into the finest cats in the Bay Area, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Bill for his time, music, and cool. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino in the iTunes Store. Visit NeonJazz at YouTube.com and for all things Neon Jazz, go to the NeonJazz.blogspot.com. Until next time,